0: Welcome to Christchurch Chiselhurst Podcast. Here is a sermon given by Dave on the Covid pandemic. You'll also notice that this was given on Valentine's Day the 14th of February and there's some relevant advice regarding that too. Letter for Valentine's Day. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness i felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. and congratulations on winning the lottery. Well, I've been meaning to talk about a book that I read way back when it was nice and warm last summer. written by Tom Wright. Uh, We're in the middle of a series at the moment where we're looking at Bible characters and some of the challenges that they face and how we can deal with that, but I've been meaning to say something about this and now is the time I want to just say a little bit about a book by Tom Wright called God and the Pandemic, because really I think since last March there have been all sorts of questions and observations that have arisen in the church about, well first of all, how do we do church in the middle of something like this? How do we do church as we move out of the pandemic? What what have we learned? But there are some deeper theological debates that have been going on as well, where the questions are more around, what is God trying to say to us in the middle of this situation? Um, And questions like, is this some kind of a judgment from God? And that's quite a common question I've seen coming up on social media. But a fairly early on, in fact, quite astonishingly, really, to, for someone to write a book about this, uh, which came out, believe it or not, last April or May, Tom Wright, who's former Bishop of Durham and he's now a research professor at St Andrew's University, wrote this book called God and the Pandemic. Um, and if you've ever read any of Tom Wright's uh, books before, you'll know that they're very biblically based, they're often very accessible. He's, he's written a whole series of commentaries called... Matthew for everyone, Mark for everyone. In other words, they're they're quite easy to read, although that takes a very clever mind to be able to make deep theological truth accessible to all of us. So the book, it's only 70 or 80 pages long, but it's very biblical, it's very comprehensive and accessible, and I highly recommend it. uh, And I've read it a couple of times since last summer. Now obviously this morning I'm only going to tackle a very small part of what he has to say and I hope I do the book some justice, but I would urge you to read it for yourselves and even more importantly to read the Bible passages that he refers to because that is incredibly important when we're looking at a subject like this. I'm sure we can all speculate to a degree in answering some of the questions about why this pandemic has struck and at the very least we hope that humanity is learning, that it's to do with our greed and our exploitation of the world that often leads to situations like this, where there's been this sort of cross-contamination that has produced the virus. And Tom Wright begins by saying that in, in many ways, rather than constantly asking the question, why has this happened? It's a better to ask a different question. The question that we should ask is, what can we do? What should we do in a situation like this? And he reminds us that early Christians were at the forefront of the practical help that came about when plagues would strike in the first centuries of the early church. This is not the first time that an epidemic or a pandemic has affected the world. And the church was there at the forefront helping people, much like we're trying to help people now, things like food banks and uh, all the rest of it, opening buildings up for vaccination centres, all sorts of different practical help that we're giving. And Tom Wright is a theologian, so his purpose in the book is to enable the reader to respond to the crisis in a biblical and a theological way, and I think that can then help to inform us as to how and why we act in the way that we should during the pandemic and as it finishes, which hopefully it will. The Old Testament, he says, has plenty to say, about human problems and the suffering of God's people. But he's keen to explain that there is not a simple explanation given to the issues of suffering within the Old Testament. In some cases, the suffering was a result of sin and rebellion. And he gives the exile to Babylonia as an example. And prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah made it clear that Israel had rebelled, they'd sinned against God, and the result of that was that they brought curses upon themselves, as it said it would happen in Deuteronomy, and they ended up going into exile and having problems. However, Tom Wright goes on to point out that if we look at the Psalms, the causes of suffering are much more ambiguous. So we have Psalmists saying things like, you know, why why is it that wicked seem to be prospering so much? Whereas... The good people, the righteous, seem to be suffering. In Psalm 73, for example, the the psalmist says there's the prosperity of the wicked and saying surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In other words, the equation that would suggest that good behaviour equals blessing and bad behaviour equals punishment and judgment, it doesn't always fit like that in the Old Testament. And he points out that in the book of Job, this righteous man goes through terrible pain and suffering. And it's a really long book because they wrestle with this whole subject of why he's going through this suffering. And it it never really completely resolves itself. Uh, He does end up with some blessing at the end of the book, but that doesn't negate all of the pain that he went through at the beginning. So it's not always that clear cut to say that if you keep God's ways, you'll be fine. And Tom Wright summarizes by saying that the Old Testament operates on two levels. Firstly, there's the story of God's people who are chosen to join with him in bringing bringing about the restoration of the world. They don't always get it right, by any means. But alongside that, there's the story of a struggle between the forces of good and evil. And the evil power that we first encounter in Genesis 3, seeking to destroy and corrupt all that is good in creation. So that's working very hard in the Old Testament as well. Now moving on quickly to the New Testament, uh, firstly the Gospels, Tom Wright points out that although Jesus sometimes spoke like an Old Testament prophet, giving warnings, we saw a little bit of that, didn't we, in the, the Matthew reading, he was often referring to historical events that were about to take place within Palestine itself. And we had a reference there to the building and you know, no stone on this building will be left unturned. And there were historical events that were going to devastate Jerusalem and devastate the nation of Israel that Jesus often warned people about in his ministry. The destruction of Jerusalem would happen about 40 years after Jesus rose from the dead, it was 70 AD. And he told them to be aware of the signs of the times. And in Luke chapter 19, for example, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because he knows that Jerusalem will be destroyed by the Romans. So a lot of these kind of Old Testament prophetic statements that Jesus makes refer to events that were about to take place within Palestine uh, itself. But Tom Wright points out that the most important emphasis for Jesus in his ministry was to do with the coming of God's kingdom into the here and now. The kingdom of God is here now, he said. And in Mark's gospel, the first words of Jesus set the tone of this ministry. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That was to be the primary message that Jesus brought to his followers and to the world. And Jesus represents the fulfillment of what God has to say to us about the past, about the present day, and about the future. And in many ways, we shouldn't try to add to that. Jesus is the center of all that God wants to say. And when Jesus heals and forgives sinners, and most importantly, when he's crucified, died and resurrected, Jesus is the ultimate sign That we need to look to prior to his return again at the end of the age. And Jesus kept repeating that phrase, the kingdom of God is. And he would say the kingdom of God is like this, or it's like that, or the kingdom of God is near. And he used many parables to put across the here and now of the good news. And when he speaks of the future, like the passage that we heard earlier, Jesus makes it clear, yes, there will be wars, there'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes... And this has been happening for 2,000 years, hasn't it? This is nothing new when we have disease and un, you know, unrest within political situations. But Jesus said, see to it that you're not alarmed. These things will happen, but eventually the end will come. So don't make too much of it. All sorts of catastrophic events, including diseases, will happen across the world, but Jesus says, don't worry, these things will happen, and then the end will come. Tom Wright points out that the focus that Jesus brings is constantly about the coming of his kingdom. And even in the Lord's Prayer, we're emphasizing the coming of God's kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as well as the need for forgiveness of sins. When some of these events happen, we need to, we need to repent. We need to say, sorry, Lord, we're, we're responsible for this happening and we're responsible for all sorts of the issues and the wars and the dynamics that happen within our sinful world and the lord's prayer of course emphasizes the coming of god's kingdom but it also emphasizes the need for forgiveness and if our focus is on the lord's prayer and it's good that we pray this prayer every week within our church and most church communities do this if that is our focus we won't be tempted to spend too much time analyzing all these different world events as if they are somehow the thing that we should focus on. They're the key to the the future of our world, because actually we, we can get distracted very easily by world events. Another important aspect of Tom Wright's approach to the Gospels is when we consider the suffering that's related to many of the world's catastrophic events, including this pandemic, very easy to focus on the suffering and say, why is God allowing this to happen? And that's a very deep question that we haven't got time to discuss for too long this morning, but when we encounter a problem, it's very easy to take a worldly view, he says, of what we think the rule and reign of God's kingdom looks like. So we encounter a situation of suffering and we say, well, hang on a minute, why is God's rule and reign not wiping that problem out? But what he says is this the power of Jesus is just as visible and transformative in his suffering in his death in his servanthood as much as it is in the power of the resurrection the two go hand in hand Jesus suffering and his resurrection and he gives the story in John 11 of Lazarus as a good example of this and it's a relatively long episode in John's Gospel And he says that we see Jesus completely in control and ultimately demonstrating his power over death but at the same time within that passage we see the suffering of Jesus he's weeping with the family and friends of Lazarus the power of Jesus is shown in his suffering as much as it is in his resurrection power and I think that in order to understand How God's kingdom coming into the world works we just have to change slightly our understanding of what power means power doesn't always come with God wiping out the evil and dramatically changing everything and dramatically doing lots of miracles it comes when Jesus enters into our suffering and pain and draws alongside us and we've all seen what incredible acts of love and courage and compassion and redemption take place when people draw alongside each other in suffering. I think we get a glimpse of how God's power works when we see what happens when there's compassion and love in the midst of pain. So very briefly, Tom Wright's assessment of the rest of the New Testament is that there are a number of ways in which it speaks into our response to the pandemic. Firstly, the church is called to be the response. When people ask, you know, all this pan, you know, all this lockdown, all this pandemic, all these people suffering, why isn't God doing something? Tom Wright says, we're the ones that should be responding to that and saying, we are doing something. We are setting up food banks, we are visiting people, we are tending the sick. We are doing what God wants us to do as God's people because God's kingdom is all about restoring creation to what it's meant to be and we are called to join in with that. Paul speaks in Philippians 3 of how we share in the sufferings of Jesus as well as in the power of the resurrection. And for me, one of the most striking points that Tom Wright makes in this book is related to a well-known verse in Romans 8. And many of us uh, will have quoted this when we're hoping that a difficult set of circumstances in our lives is going to get better or something positive will come out of it. So the verse I'm referring to, which many of you will know, is Romans 8:28. 28. It says, in the New International Version and many other versions, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, in that translation, the emphasis seems to be upon those who love him, followers of Jesus having good things happen to them if they stay faithful and that brings us hope and we certainly know that whether in this life or in the next, we have a future filled with peace and love and joy and more of that than we can possibly imagine. However, Tom Wright argues that the original Greek brings out a different interpretation and a different emphasis. And it makes it much more about God working with us to bring about a greater good for the whole of creation. So a better translation, he says, and it is the translation that you actually find in the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, says this, now listen carefully. In everything, God works for good with those who love him not for those who love him but with them in other words we join in in God's work of transforming the world to make the world a better place the emphasis is on making the whole of creation better and that means that we suffer with God at times when we're working in that way it means that sometimes we see joy sometimes we see sorrow sometimes there's victory sometimes there's suffering but we're working with God to bring about the transformation of the world through his kingdom and that seems to be a better translation a better way of understanding why it is that god's people often go through suffering and pain particularly in parts of the world where there's persecution and hardship and poverty we're joining in with god in the work of his kingdom now i've really only scratched the surface of a very good book Um, I recommend you read it. It's only, as I say, about 75, 80 pages long. Um, And study those Bible passages that he mentions. And you may not necessarily agree with everything he says, but I hope it gets you thinking about some of the big issues that have come up over the last 12 months as we think about the pandemic. And I really agree with him when he says that the most important question that we should be asking is not why has this happened, but what should we do? What should we do to 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 work with God in the bringing about of his kingdom in the midst of the suffering and pain of the world. And in terms of where our future lies, we can be assured that in Jesus we have the ultimate message of hope and purpose. We can see his power at work amidst the pain and the sadness where he brings hope and healing. And we know that our ultimate destiny is rooted in him as our Lord and Savior. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that this last year has been a time of challenge and difficulty and suffering and pain for so many people in very, very different ways. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that none of this surprises you, that you have the answer, you have. You bring us hope, you bring us purpose, And we thank you for that wonderful prayer that you've given us to pray in the midst of every situation that we face. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen.